I'm not sure that'll help too much. In, is it, I guess it's not too windy. Are you getting bitten already? Yeah. That's weird. Usually, I'm used to being the tastiest one in a in a group. Are you? Yeah, maybe I'm always I'm the first. You. Maybe you are. I'm always the first one to get bitten. Well, Jack and Kate, two of my three housemates are tastier than me, according to mosquitoes. So I've I think I've been used to being shielded now. Oh right. Weird. So I'd be at the top of your house basically. If I walked in, I'm. Well, you'd be. In I was currently am, currently oh. at the bottom of my house. Like I'm the easiest target. Oh, I'm no, the most yeah. vulnerable. Oh, you'd by the sounds of it, you'd have three. If you lived with me, you'd be safe as houses. Yeah, mate. you'd yeah. have three above you. It's good to know. That is good to know. It's like it, honestly, like it's quite um reassuring because I felt like a real. I felt like there was something wrong with me. I was like, why am I so fucking delicious to mosquitoes? What is that? <sighs> Because, well, you know, it's like some people just aren't. And you're just like, what makes you so special? Why, why are you yeah. born with some immunity? But, but it's not annoyance. Like, mosquitoes are, by way of numbers, the deadliest animal on the planet. So it's a good thing to not be tasty to them. So is that based off, like, a, the combination of every disease that's spread by mosquitoes? So, like, Zika so. virus, dengue, malaria, yeah, everything? I think so. Like, I think, yeah, they're, you know... They play a part in millions of human deaths every year. Yeah. That's crazy thought, isn't it? Crazy. So it's like our more over and above the fact that it's just annoying when you get bitten and you're itchy from a mosquito bite. They are Deadly. Yeah. They're, they're an animal assassins. That, they're an animal that you know, I don't know what it would do to upset the ecosystems of the world, but I'd be happy to see the back of them. I always think about that, eh? Like so yeah. I think it would probably do something pretty significant though. I think it's probably a good thing that they are around. They're probably doing some critical thing well, that we couldn't live without. If they are, I feel like scientists need to talk about it a little bit more because they've got a bad rap. Those people that are trying to look after, you know, all the pros for having mosquitoes in the world, I feel like they're either not convincing enough or they're just not getting their message out there enough at, the, at this point in time. Who are these people? Have you, their mates yours? No. Yeah, mates of mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Presumably there are. You know, there seems to be... I, I'm always fascinated when I watch David Attenborough and, and the like documentaries mm. that, you know, when they comment on remarkable you know if it, from everything to eating and pooing patterns of animals to just all of the just all of the weird facts that you get hit when you watch those docos i'm like people spend their lives researching this the only reason we know the way that a toucan's breeding cycle works is because people some blokes sat there and watched yeah, <laughs> yeah. people have invested lots of time and energy <laughs> yeah. and money into figuring it out yeah and it's like yeah. if there's those people i'm sure there are people that know more about mosquitoes than just that they're annoying yeah you know and and of course there are so either you know they need to be a bit stronger with their message of support or We've got to just give them all the fleet. <laughs> well, so let, let's talk about giving them the fleet because I'll kill a mosquito with far more willingness than basically anything else. Oh, absolutely. You know, like even ants, because ants are so benign. Ants aren't annoying me. They're not actually like, you know, retrieving my blood without my permission. Yeah. So I don't have a reason to hate ants. I don't have a reason to like, like I don't know. And it's like a bee sting is a lot more painful than a mosquito bite. Yeah, but then I, I, I just I guess I appreciate the bees a lot more because I <laughs> they're in the news a lot more. But yeah, but that's the thing. They you know we, we 
the honey farmers have, you know, plugged the bees' message in a positive way. <laughs> it's not like they've made it up. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying they have, but like everyone's like, shit, it's a bee. I don't want to get stung. Like, yeah, there's obviously some apprehension towards the bees. Yeah, there's common respect. <laughs> I get what you're saying. We're basically talking about a PR issue here, which is... Yes, that that's exactly what I'm saying. Mosquitoes not being represented well currently. Uh, yeah, I think they need to probably have a think about who they've got as yeah. their PR team at the moment and, you know, maybe consider making a change. Just revise it, look at your contractual obligations and just wait and see when the time comes that you can actually start considering an alternative because you're not being represented well currently. Currently, no. the entire world hates you yeah maybe that's why maybe no scientists have gone i'll do the mosquitoes because because they, they don't have it they're doing favors for murderers yeah why would they do that <laughs> like you say they've killed so many people what yeah. what human beings out there going like i i think we're misunderstanding things here i'm pretty sure they're all reasonable blokes you know but there is there's defense counsel for people on death row it's the same thing right yeah <laughs> but are those guys really trying <laughs> I'd like to think, I mean, sorry, not me. If you're on death row, you'd like to think that they've got your interests. Uh, but that's the thing. Not on death row, you don't. <laughs> not on death row when you're looking at someone who's like killed a thousand people. God, it'd be pretty a Pretty hard, hard to sympathise. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Oh, it'd be so trying. You'd have to just be so in principle dedicated to the laws of humanity or whatever country you... I think, I always think about those jobs where you have a level of emotional engagement such that you don't just leave it at work. Or I know that I wouldn't be able to if I had one of those jobs. So I always think about that same thing, what you just said, that you basically need to establish very firmly what your personal moral code is and be able to just detach from it while you're in a professional capacity because you're working to someone else's. Yeah. And like as soon as those two things start blurring is when, oh, that'd just be... Yeah, it'd be so trying. So hard. Like, think about our job, where you and I chat with four to five hundred people every day, and we take on their problems because that's a big part of being a barista, basically, is like... <laughs> An unqualified and poorly paid psychologist, Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, but we step away from that after three or four minutes, and we also have the ability to busy yourself if you really don't want to talk to someone or, you know, avoid going too hectic with your exposure to someone else's trauma well, but the these thing, jobs like sorry well, like these jobs are like so deep they're like doing that on a one yeah. one customer a day but spending that whole amount of time just diving so deep into their lives and their problems how do you not make them yours the other thing is like to, to use this as the extreme example like someone representing someone in, a, in an appeal case if they're facing a death sentence kind of thing yeah but to also then to go into the courtroom and to see the other side of you know the bench and to see the prosecution team and the families of those affected and to see the trauma that it's all caused on them yeah yeah and to yeah. like then have to still witness that kind of like the devastation on the other end of the scale and to still try and do your best for someone that you you i'm sure there are times that you know that they're guilty of the most heinous crimes. Yeah. And you're still like, it's not the point here. Yeah. It's not the point. And it's not the point because that's what we've established as human beings is that everyone gets a fair go right up until the end if you live in a civilised place. Yeah. But, yeah, I guess like in that situation, I w I've, I've never found myself in that situation of sitting on a prosecuting side no. of a courtroom 
you know, because I've been personally affected by a really heinous crime that's been committed. But I would hope that in that situation, I wouldn't direct vitriol towards the legal representation of the perpetrator. You'd be like, look, I know you're just doing your job. My pain, my mourning or my suffering or whatever is because of the, the man or woman sitting next to you, not you. I know that you're just doing a job that we've agreed needs to be done in this situation. You'd, you'd hope that. But I don't know what it's like to be consumed by grief and how much that suddenly fucks with your yeah. social priority. Well, okay, let me put something to you because this actually ties in quite nicely with something that I found, a conversation I found myself in a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So this is about the George Pell stuff yeah all right obviously a high publicity case in australia at the moment so he's as i understand it keep in, talking i'm just getting my water bottle out of the bush sure Sorry. he's he's um in prison now yeah and my understanding is that he is in solitary confinement at the moment because his legal team essentially were worried about his safety if he was to just go into normal um you know Again, this is an area that I'm not... <laughs> really? You're not familiar with maximum security incarceration <laughs> <No>. <laughs> complexes? What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, he's not in like the big, the general, the mixed... Not in the general... Category A. Yeah, public. Yeah. Uh, jail public, yeah. you know, essentially. Because they're worried that if he goes in there, there's going to be a lot of... His safety is basically going to be... Compromised. Yeah. And the person I was having this conversation with was upset by that. They were like, no, if he's committed these heinous crimes and he's been found guilty of it, throw him to the wolves, essentially. Like, he mm. deserves what he gets. Mm. And it's like, well, you know, maybe part of me sympathises with that opinion. But I'm also thankful that the judicial system in this country recognises that even though people have been found guilty of the most, you know, abhorrent things... I'm, I take some kind of, you know, comfort in the fact that we live in a country that still, even at that level, still says, okay, but that doesn't mean it's not an eye for an eye. Like this person, yeah, they, they've they been convicted and sentenced to this, but they still need to. They're entitled to due process. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm exactly right. Like he, he still, as far as I'm aware, has the right to appeal or, and like there's still potential legal avenues to be played out mm. before this can all be put to bed mm. so you know part of me does feel like maybe that is the right call in this case yeah it's i think where the people that defy it i think the where, where they're coming from because i'm trying to play devil's advocate and think yeah well i that resonates with me in some capacity throw them to the wolves for someone as fucking disgusting as that who's done the most heinous things you could possibly imagine there is like that it's hard for that not to just ding a bell in your head you're like fuck yeah throw that guy to the wolves mm. like they, what a what a he's not a human basically he's subhuman he doesn't deserve human due process because he's demonstrated himself not to be yeah. human so like part of me sort of thinks sympathizes with that a little bit yeah and it would be such a horrible thing if the acts that he committed were all the more heinous because he knew he would receive protection of due process. Like, that's a really disturbing thing to think about, that he was like, I might go ahead and rape X, X Y, and Z in front of me because I know that even if I get found out for this, I'm never going to be in the people's court. I'm never going to get thrown to the wolves, mm. you know? And it, that's such a disgusting thought that that might have passed through his head and made him more confident to do these crazy things. Yeah. 
I think that's why the bell rings in my head. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I suppose that's right. But like, I, th I think where the other argument comes from is that I guess until, at least until all legal avenues have been, you know, undertaken, I think people have got the right to appeal and the right to, you know, that kind of thing. I think, yeah, you know, I, I guess just, you know, sometimes when you find cases, people that have spent 30 years in jail and then they get proven to be innocent. Not that I'm suggesting that, that George Pell could be innocent, but I guess just if it was anyone else yeah, or like, then it still needs to be, yeah, I don't know. I think like when you hear of people getting bashed and killed in jail by other inmates, that's just not, it's not the legal system. It's not, but it's no it's no more barbaric than hanging people in Saudi yeah, Arabia or, you know, doing... True. There's plenty of places where that still goes on right now. Yeah. And, and they use public violence as the last say. Yeah. Maybe it's maybe it actually is the most democratic thing. Well, <laughs> it's, like, it's such a... If you computerise it and try and look at it completely objectively and, and not let your emotions interrupt the thought process you sort of it's like almost the better outcome because you think well what does one prisoner cost the taxpayer every year what is one prisoner alive cost the parent the parents and the family of you know the people that they murdered or raped yeah. or whatever what's the cost of that like wouldn't that be the better outcome just to even though it's really fucked up in the short term, it's just netting it off and there's gonna, it's not going to be an infinite. Yeah, and you're just saying, look, if, if there's enough people that want to do this, it's just, yeah. it's just public will being active. But, I, but I don't know. it's basically a really good thing that you and I don't make these decisions. <laughs> I think so, yeah. Just going by <laughs> the level of expertise with which we're talking about is. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably safe to say there are people that know what they're talking about a little bit more than yeah, us. Yeah, yeah. That's often the case with you and I. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's sort of... We have the, a really... It's a weird structure to our legal system. Innocent until proven guilty, but then you can try and prove yourself innocent again if you want. It's <laughs> yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's crazy, man. I was There's actually um, a case... Uh, going through the, the courts at the moment to do with an NRL player. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've been, you know, in the loop about this one. Jared Hayne? No, nah, a guy called Jack DeBellin, who played for the Blues last year and stuff. Basically, he's been accused and charged with rape. Okay. Um, and there's now this thing playing out where the NRL stood him down. They've just brought in new, you know, rules, essentially, to be like, if you... Uh, like going through a legal process of crimes that carry up to I think it's 11 years in jail or more than they can just stand you down without pay like off the bat even though it's innocent until proven guilty yeah <clears throat> it's essentially like you're all like bringing the game into disrepute so we don't want to bar of you until you can prove clear your name essentially yeah, yeah, yeah so they've stood him down and now he's like saying that what they've done was illegal because they stood him down before this new rule officially came into force so now he like he's going through all of these appeals essentially he hasn't been found guilty yet but they're saying that if everything doesn't play out the way he hopes and he goes through all these appeals it could cost him like up to a million dollars of his own money that he's footing here yeah and not getting paid the same yeah. time crazy crazy life that'd be just the most oh horrifying amount of stress every single day waking up with him 
that amount of shit just hanging, just yeah. hanging over the horizon every day. <laughs> oh no. Anyway, but I mean, it seems to be such a fucking thing with NRL players. Like, yeah. okay, so what about when you piss in your mouth on camera? <laughs> like, do you, do you get suspended, or is that s- seemingly? Less, or it doesn't carry up more than eleven years in jail. So. <laughs> it's the thing, like, but the idea is that it's bringing the business into disrepute, and so yeah. I'd argue that publicly, like pissing in your mouth and having that find its way onto the internet, is costing the NRL more reputation than potentially someone who's going to get proven innocent. So he sort of has a point. <sighs> But then Mate, it's he, a high, it's a, a really grey area. So blurry because if he gets found guilty, you're just like oh yeah, that's the thing. I don't know. Like I was talking about this actually earlier today. Like why the, it seems that there's such a disproportionate percentage of these people, NRL players <laughs> being the, the yeah you know the the one that's become synonymous with it, per, like committing these crimes. Yeah, it's I, I I'm struggling to work out why. I think it'd be it'd be a mixture of things, wouldn't it? Like the you, your life's fucking weird if you're a professional athlete, for starters. Yeah. Your schedule's all over the place. You don't have a normal social life. It seems like it's a really it just um, polarizes the the social life into like no, I'm I don't do anything. I'm training. I'm in bed at five p.m. To seasons over. Get me ten bags stat, you know. Yeah. And then suddenly it's just yeah. And that yeah. All essentially all of that just you know. Hyper masculinity, just like teen and mid twenties angst, like just gets pigeonholed into three or four weeks, right? Where, where you just like go hell for leather, and so combine that with God knows what the nutritional effects of all the supplements that they take are, and diff- different hormone adjustments that are happening as a result of crazy chemical compositions that aren't meant to really exist in their body but are allowing them to perform at this elite level yeah and then combining that with yeah what exactly what you just said that level of angst and just and then i also think it's like it just is the bubble of like belonging to that group of just elitism (laughs) it's almost like initiation like what what sort of sexual misconduct have you performed (laughs) bro are you part of the game or not yeah you got your name in your papers yeah What page are you? <laughs> nah, don't get page six, please. Yeah. First be, three, mate, otherwise... Yeah, but I don't know. Like, and then I think also part of it's, you know, people, you know, coming from not necessarily like the most privileged and advantaged backgrounds, suddenly being thrust in that position. And given heaps of cash. Yeah. And like, you know, and, and it's, again, it's not an excuse, but like... I think it just becomes such a foreign environment necessarily mm. to where or what they know mm. that it's like they just yeah I think it's just quite jarring in a sense and like yeah I don't know anyway what are we going to do well are you, we've got one thing we're going to do perhaps you're going to answer a question for me because I've only got one thing to run past you today okay good but I want to talk about people with really conspicuously dyed hair okay and like what's going on there Who are you, who's because I think that's there's like an amazingly complex psychology going on there when you see like people that dye their hair is just someone who's like 85 but it just has jet black luscious like plugs or it's just like it's it's just a weird thing I want to talk to you about. <laughs> you, do, you mean like hair fashion in general? Or like... I guess hair fashion in general. It's and this is like a really extreme. This is the peak of the bell curve. So do you mean like every now and then you just find yourself walking by? A bloke that's got 
a fucking mohawk that's dyed lime green. And you're like, what's that about? Oh, is no, that what... not necessarily. But this is basic, that's an equivalent to what I'm thinking, <laughs> definitely. Right. What I'm thinking is like... <laughs> like someone who's, someone whose like, eyebrows on. doesn't ma- don't match their hair, oh, but right. they're just carrying it off like, what are you... What are you what, this, you don't think this is normal? You don't like think I, I was born like this? I dare you to tell me this isn't real. I dare you to tell me this isn't real. That's exactly the projection where it's just like, it's almost aggressive. <laughs> yeah, they are aggressive. They often yeah, wear leather. typically they are aggressive people. <laughs> yeah, they've normally got a chin that you're not sure if they've had work done. Mm-hmm. And you're like... <laughs> Why does one cheek not move? What's... Oh, yeah. They don't have enough wrinkles. <laughs> yeah. like... So I, it's this, I guess it's the same as... as you know, the, the bloke with cra- crazy amounts of leather and metal and like a mohawk that's dyed lime green. It's basically just someone walking around who's immediately got something to prove or something yeah. to say or like a chip <laughs> on their shoulder. That's that's what it comes across as. Yeah. The, the people you're talking about, I feel like they're just competence against aging and they're like, yeah. they, this is somewhere along the track. They became really, really self-conscious about the fact that they were beginning to age. Yep. And just decided that they weren't going to let that be a thing. Right. So, I mean, I'm laughing about this and cackling away, but it's a really serious, like, level of dysmorphia when it starts to manifest itself in such a crazy, obvious way. For me, it's tantamount to guys, those massive fucking triangle men who have clearly just been, like, inhaling steroids (laughs) for two weeks straight. (laughs) You know, and, like, and it's just Mr. Bottom End. <laughs> well, yeah, basically. Half of the gym apparently doesn't exist. <laughs> but, like, that's just this crazy... It's a, that's as extreme as seeing, you know, like a, a stick-thin, really, really anorexic person. It's like... It's just this really yeah. fucked-up body dysmorphia. So I probably shouldn't laugh about it so much. But, oh, yeah, but, but, the dyed but, hair is just really funny sometimes. Yeah, the dyed hair is like this sort of... I still, you know what, actually? So I had a situation in Chatswood when I, at my first cafe job. You wouldn't have had a situation in Chatswood. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a thing. That's right. I, haven't, I don't spend much time there, but <laughs> I get involved in there. Not much goes on in there. So this is when I was working down the road, not at Stanford Engine, like 10 years ago. Yeah. And it was a weekday and it was just me and a chef. And so, because it was quite quiet day, I could do coffee floor, sort of everything. And these two women used to come in (laughs) and they were both Asian women who had like peroxide white, almost like mid back length hair, like long and dead straight, basically just dead. It just looked like dead hair. And it was like, yeah, white, white. Looked like a horse mane kind of thing. Yeah, sort of. But it was, they had dark, you know, original black eyebrows. Far out, sounds weird to talk about some a person like they're a car with aftermarket parts. But basically, it's like an equivalent thing. Caked in like really white makeup, and like very powerful look going on here. Like it, they're, yeah. the same thing. They're making. They're basically saying like they're making a statement. What you still remember them? Yeah, yeah. So I remember them because I see them around. It's an entirely separate story. Oh. I think they belong to a cult. But oh god. But basically, these two women sat down. They they came in a fair bit. Never spoke to me. I was friendly. I was like pretty interested. I was like, the fuck is your guys deal like <laughs> wanting to actually engage uh didn't they didn't have a bar of it but then that morning they got their breakfast mm. they used to like pick up a whole piece of sourdough with a fork and just like gnaw at it like, like an animal <laughs> like it was a fucking marshmallow that you yeah. toasted around the fire yeah and so then they, then they've like raised their hand like garçon 
<laughs> so I've shot over there. Yes, yes, what's going on? What's up? <laughs> and, and one of them's like, there's a hair in our meal. And I was like, oh, so I'm so sorry. That Can I pa pass it back? I'll take it back to the kitchen. Yeah. And had a look at it. <laughs> so the, there was only so one the chef's bald. The chef's bald. I had like a number two buzz going, very short, yeah. sort of like light brown. Yeah. And this was like a long black hair. <laughs> and they're like, and I was like, oh, uh, I don't think that's one of ours. <laughs> but this woman looks at me and she's like, it's not mine, my hair's blonde. <laughs> I was like, you 18 sure years that? old just flipping out just going like oh fuck how do I handle this what what oh my god so it's like oh yeah yeah of course it is I'll, yeah I'll get you some more food it's definitely not mine the chef's just like shrieking with laughter and then and I was like what do I do man like this is bollocks and then, so he made them more food and then just bounced so they they came up to like so are we paying for this or Oh, you know, dude. like, it yeah. should probably sure, be on the house and furring. <laughs> and I just panicked. I was like, look at this chef. I love the guy. He's a total bastard. He was like 45, but he just vanished and left me to deal with the situation. But what's he did? And I was like, I was like, oh, no, that's fine. I, you know, you guys come here heaps. I'm really sorry it won't happen again. Sort of like trying to hold a straight face. Yeah. Um, and my boss didn't mind at all. He thought it was just hilarious. But that was the thing. It was so aggressive. It was like... <sighs> It all came to a head so That's visibly. so funny, dude. <laughs> it's not mine. Oh, mate. You sure? <laughs> yeah, positive. <laughs> I don't want to have to get a lineup going here, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> There's only two people whose hair it could have been, and they're both sitting at the table eating this meal. Yeah, far out, dude. So, i tell you something fucked up about those two women as well. Uh, yeah, they still look the same. So, okay, the, so... Have they aged? So, dude, dude, there's been a whole series... <laughs> Of this women, <laughs> I don't know how to say this. Basically, they they exclusively wear black, really pale faces, dark black original eyebrows, peroxide blonde waist, like waist length hair. Do they dye the eyebrows? No. Okay. So there's a very two tone situation going on, which is obviously deliberate because if you yeah 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 it's a it's a powerful statement. It's like a an aesthetic with a look. It makes. It's like a whole world that you and I aren't familiar with sitting here in like exercise shorts and grubby t-shirts. Like, yeah, I don't understand what that's like. Well, to live yeah, in. we don't have much in common. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, uh, this one of them was maybe fifty, the other one was twenty-five. Oh fuck! So, but they looked obviously like fucking twins. But there was like that one was twice as old as the other. Mother daughter, sit you reckon? Well, I never knew. This is the thing. I never knew, and I was like, are they mother daughter? Are they just mates who love like this look? Who saw this look and were like, yeah, this is us. Are they together? Are they together? I don't know. Had no idea. But basically, I, I watched these people for while I worked for like four years. I sort of paid attention to them around town. I'd see them around the place while I was working, just like in town, and then. I was in Japan. No. And across an intersection, no. I saw two like, no, rake thin tall women, not them, but wearing the exact same, like the exact same situation. 150, 125 ish, peroxide white waist length hair, jet black eyebrows, white face, and then black everything, both sort of rake thin and just like huddled together. It, it, it was like, but not them. 
And you're certain it wasn't them? Certain. I took a photo. I sent it to one of the blokes I used to work with. I was like, look at this shit. Like, I found <laughs> this in Japan. It's not them. And he was like, what? Freaked out about it. It's far and, Okay, this doesn't end. Because recently, like since Steam Engine, would have been like two years ago, I saw the original one with an apprentice. The younger one of the originals with like a 16-year-old. Same okay, thing. Okay, it's got to be a cult then. Right, it has it's got to be. be a cult, right? It must be a weird like grooming thing. <laughs> what do they do? <laughs> That's so fascinating that you saw it in Japan as well. Same look. Yep, yep. So it's international then. Like it's... Yeah, it must be like a, like a Masonic type. It's the only other sort of... Is that a cult? It's not really a cult, is it? I don't know. I get all confused. Yeah, I think, they, I become, think they like it like that. <laughs> it's all become the same bullshit to me anyway. Yeah. Um... Mate, I don't even know where to start with that. It's just fascinating, isn't it, to think about like human beings out there living living these lives like right next to us that did, is so different. Did you ever eavesdrop like on the on yeah, the sourdough? Different language. Oh shit! Yeah. So so it could be could be a Japanese cult and they visit Australia a lot. Or maybe they've just set up headquarters. Actually, no, I would have recognised a Japanese. No, it, it, Do you think they were Japanese? No, I don't think they were Japanese because I would have. I remember not being able to understand. I'd just done HFC Japanese. I would have yeah. like been able to. We've got Pick a band up. three, but I would have been able to <laughs> realize if it was what they were talking or not. Yeah, you would have picked up at least one or two words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right, <laughs> mate. That's. But yeah, you're right. It's crazy to think that these. Well, it's just. It's always fucking crazy. Every time you get on a bus, all right, like. I always think this, like, every time you get on a bus or a train or a plane or, like, whatever it is, you are just thrust into this situation where in a very small amount of space, you are just, like, all of these vast, wild, different trajectories have all put you in that room at that same time, for mm. whatever the reason is, and you share that, like, 20 minutes together, and then you just fuck off and do your, <laughs> the rest of your shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, have you ever seen the Adjustment Bureau? Oh no, that sounds Orwellian. Yeah, well, it's sort of like it's a Matt Damon, Matt Damon movie, and the like underlying idea is that there's people that control everyone's different life trajectories, and there's a really like powerful image of a book oh, okay. that's got essentially like have bubbles for people, and it will have a map, and it like shows their paths like over the course of time, like mm. sort of you know sometimes crossing and then spending various amounts of time you know on separate paths kind of thing it's really like sounds good yeah sounds but, like a trip out but it's um you know it's it's just that image has always stuck with me that that's just like literally what it's like every mm. time you you know obviously there are people in your lives who for a period of years you spend you know you're on similar paths and you're hanging in the same networks kind of thing and then you mm. know mm. it's wild man it's wild but I mean, it's like when I ran, when we ran into each other in Thailand. Yeah, exactly right. Just bizarre. <laughs> Just because we were at the same water park on the same day. But know? on the same beat, yeah. I always say it's the inverse of what I. Another thing I constantly think about when I find, like right now, you think about this is a busy city. There's five million people here, but you and I were the only ones who thought to come to this place at this time. Yeah. And we've probably got like a couple of kilometres radius around us of no one. Yeah. Crazy. And yeah, it's the inverse of that. We're like, but it's also funny thing. That time that we bumped into each other in Thailand, it's funny thing that we managed to do that then. And like you and I almost had a crossover in Amsterdam 
last year. Yeah. And yeah. even like that we're way better mates now than we were then and we still couldn't even manage to organize, <laughs> yeah. you know, doing the same thing. Even yeah. though we had a lot more knowledge about each other's travel plans yeah. at that point in time. It's fucking weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. But that like, it's stuff like that that makes me think, I think about it a lot in the context of dating apps though. I'm like, is it, you know, because the advent of being able to meet someone online now is just sort of like circumventing that whole like natural, I guess. Chance, encou- chance encounter if we're yeah. sort of saying that chance doesn't really exist because your intersections are scripted in a way. Yeah, well, like, I mean, obviously just you, you, your very activities, like there's a, only a very small world out there yep. available to you yep. at any yep. particular time. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, But that's the, so that's the, like pretty much the essence of meditation is like presence and acknowledging that the sphere that you're in right now, the things that you can touch and feel and is sort of all that really matters. And like that, that's all meditation is, is just getting into that headspace. Mm. And I guess that it's a similar headspace that you need to be in to engage with somebody in a romantic way or like experience that, that meeting, which you can now circumvent with the dating app. Did you, have you ever used them? Yeah, briefly, and I, I just did not like it at all. Like, and I think that was one of the main things that I really didn't like about it was it just felt unnatural. It mm. felt like, you know, you used to. I mean, it sort of certainly made me aware, much more aware of like, you know, because it puts faces and profiles to, you know, the other pockets of the world that are just like always out of your sight unless mm. you unless you constantly like got a screen in front of your face and you have it on your fingertips like it's I just found it a bit unsettling and Mm. just like these are you know because I I don't know I don't know how to express it other than the sense that like if you run into someone by chance organically yeah organically Mm. at a bar there's obviously this whole thing of like your life trajectories have both put you at that bar at that same time means that there must be at least some base level of significance or like there's there's just a bit more meat to that engagement like yeah. you're both meant to be there a little bit more than you were just meant to both pull your phones out at the same time yeah yeah, yeah. exactly right yeah you're both using that app at the same time yeah and swiping yeah see i think i'm the same i'd like i just know that about myself enough like that my immediate reaction is just like no not for, it's not for me i'm not saying yeah. it's wrong not, just not for me like yeah. it clearly is for a lot of people got mates who've just gotten married yeah you know, like a lot of close friends who met online who were like rock solid together they're amazing partners it's crazy yeah it's like i think it's like a half or a third of all new marriages are like people that met online see but that's the thing is it's not that's not due to the success of whatever platform they've been using it's just due to the fact that that's where the volume is now that's what most people are doing yeah far out that's crazy isn't it it's crazy Jeez. it really has like like i've noticed it at even in chats with over the last four years, the willingness of people to be out for a chat, particularly, yeah. I guess, like women, because I'm a bloke, that like th- there's, a, <laughs> there's a new atmosphere when the phone has just sort of started to dominate so many people's attention that you really feel like you're, even if it's not like, even if you're not flirting, you're not interested in, which I'm generally not, like I don't <laughs> like doing that at work. It's yeah. not the place for it. It's like, it's this atmosphere and it's yeah. like, you feel bad for trying to engage somebody face to face. Like, <laughs> I feel like, shit, I'm sorry, I fucked you off. Like, you look up from your yeah. phone and like... It's like, wait, put it in writing and message me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you've got something to say, I don't want to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Like, <laughs> I don't know. I also wonder though, because you know, that whole world, if you were talking with someone on the phone, like, no, sorry, not over the phone, but on the phone, mm. you know, you can plot your answers so much more. You don't have that imposition that I asked you something to your face. Why are you taking half an hour? <laughs> yeah. Why are, you, why are you starting a sentence and then saying it in reverse and then starting yeah. it again? What's what's going on there? Are you yeah. deleting words? Yeah. You can just take it back. I heard it. <laughs> you know, yeah, so yeah. It's, it's a, you know, in many respects, a wildly different form of communication. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It's just what influence is that having on... Because if you... You know, there must be like... I'd be interested to see if there were any stats on like... Or not that there would be stats, but like... How the crossover goes from if you meet... If if your first person... uh, Sorry, your first encounter with someone new is face-to-face and then you go and get a drink with them because what else can you do on a date except get drunk... Is, is to go and do the same kind of thing where you're sitting down face to face. Yeah. How that, tra- like, I guess what the conversion rate between that then going on to being a successful relationship or whatever is. Yeah. Versus like what it's like if you have heaps of communication with someone just text messaging or whatever you're doing and then you go and be like, all right, let's go hang out face to face. Yep, yep. Whether you or not you've still got that same banter. Yeah, fuck, I wish we could me- measure this stuff. It'd be so interesting to well, know. You know, all these people that have chosen not to do the mosquitoes should probably start getting... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you clearly got some time up this Yeah, yeah evidently. Like... <laughs> oh, another long lunch today? <laughs> oh, sweet. The Mozzies can take another one for the team, I guess. I'll go and kill five. I wonder if they're out to kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My lawyer's shit. <laughs> so fucking angry. <laughs> 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 Fuck you! <laughs> How do you like me now? Sorry, I'm like this. I am. I have to be. Uh, I think that's all we've got today, mate. All right. Uh, it's pretty much on cue. It's about forty minutes. Okay. <laughs> that candle smells so good. Oh, I need to save it. <laughs>